all right let's start this episode what is going on guys welcome back to conspiracy fears and mysteries and again i'm your host ralphie and as always don't forget to give me a follow subscribe or whatever it is that you do on the platform that you're listening to this on so that i can keep on goings on with the goings on now one thing guys i've been thinking of changing the title or the name i guess a rebranding you could say i'm always rebranding but rebranding just because most of y'all the things that i get the most uh you know this is called conspiracy fears and mystery so there's all different things there's paranormal and things but if you go back to episodes even to season one there was there's barely there there's more there's a handful of paranormal alien and anything other than true crime combined it's more the true crime when i did the i think the first episode i ever did was i think it was ted bundy right and then i started you know i did some other stuff you know that i discovered on the internet conspiracies and things whatever but and then i I did another true crime another true crime and i'm looking at my stats right and when when i do like the aliens and uh conspiracies and all the other stuff i get a couple you know i i get uh like a decent amount of people kaboom you know maybe like 150 you know 200 people like you know downloads whatever people download it you know some don't like it some do you know how it goes with this stuff and you know so whatever but then with the true crime like i'll put up anything that says murder or death or this whatever and it's true crime it's like the minute I put it on, like, I'll put it on and I'll check maybe, like, 20 minutes later. Because, you know, when you upload, anybody who uploads likes to check their stuff and sometimes it gets addictive. You check and there's already 70, 80 downloads or, so, or you know, 90 listens and all that stuff already. And I'm talking about 20 minutes and then, you know, that's needless to say by the end of the week and the end of the, you know what I mean? Uh, how many people listen. So it seems like people are mostly into the true crime. So I don't know if I'm going to stick to just true crime. Because I like talking about everything. So, But anyway, today, oh, and before I get started, don't forget, guys, to go follow me on Twitter and I, and on uh, Instagram. I don't do Facebook, so don't ask me about Facebook because Facebook is toxic. So is Twitter. So is Twitter. But I don't know. I feel like I got a little more control over Twitter. I can block things I don't want to see. I don't want to see so much social stuff. Uh, I mean, I understand things going on in the world, but damn, I'm going to give you a little story of what bothers me, of what bothered me today. Well, the other day, my son asked me about, uh, he said, uh, hey, is, is, yeah, he said, hey, is, is the president putting, putting families in jail, in prison? Like, out of nowhere, my little son, seven-year-old, that, that upset me, you know what I'm saying? I, I was like, where did you see that? And he was like, I saw a video that people were saying that. Um, somebody was saying that he he's putting all these families, all the families in prison. So he doesn't understand. He's too young. So I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, you know, I don't know. He's not. Nobody. Is, I, I said, are we in prison? Is the family next door in prison? Is the family on the other side in prison? The fa- None of the, all the families around here in our, in our town are here. All your friends are here, right? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, nobody's in prison. I said, I said, nah, don't worry about that, man. That's just craziness that you see. He's like, okay. Cause I, you know, he's eight years old, uh, seven. I'm sorry. Now, you know, I don't want to sit there explain that to him. So, no, 
And then another thing is I took off everything that had to do with anything, you know, riots and Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter and all this and Trump this and Democrats this and all that. I don't want to hear none of that. You know, um, there's enough things going on. You know, I, I don't even want to hear about Corona right now. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't even want to hear, look, you know, I'm wearing my mask and all that stuff. I'm still washing my hands. Like I'm, I mean, I was doing that before, but and. Anyway, I delete I I on my news apps where I get a you know because I have my review channel and I get a lot of tech news from there and all that stuff. Um, I I, I made it I customized it so the only like notifications and news that I get is tech news. But this is what the media does. The media will put it will they they control all that so. When I went in there, I went in there today, and there's one that says, uh, like, uh, there's, like, the main news. You can't alter that one. That one, they're going to give you what they gave you. But I don't even click on that tab on my iPad or on my Android device or on my iMac or whatever. So I go to the tech tab that I always go to. And the first thing I see is the headline reads, why do, uh, what is it? Why do... Or why black people resist arrest. I'm like, seriously? Seriously. On tech news. The whole thing. Everything under that was PS5. New Tesla this. um, New battery this. New phone. New camera. uh, This whatever. Everything under that. But the first thing you read. And it was in bold. So like you can't miss it. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, yo. Are you serious? Like, is this real right now? I was like, yo, I can't do this, man. I can't do this. But anyway, oh, man, I got my notes open over here. So let's take a trip to Hamilton, Ontario. To Hamilton, Ontario. And I got this particular case um, because, you know, uh, look, when it comes to children, uh, when it comes to things with kids, you know, I mean, kids are affected in any way, in any type of murder, whether it's just adults, whether it's this, whether it's the child, obviously, who's gotten hurt. Um, it's bad. It's bad for everyone. Everybody can sympathize with it. Everybody has children. You know, everybody knows child. Most people are sympathetic to things with children. Nobody wants to see an innocent, which is like the most innocent thing in the world, is a, is a young being. So, um, you know, uh especially a three-year-old one, you know, so this particular case is I was watching one of my investigation discovery shows, and that was um, the case that haunts me, if you never watched that, go watch it, I'm not sponsored by them, but never watched that, go watch it, and um, there was one particular case called The Bad Man, which is what I named this particular episode, because the child in the case told the detective, and not to give anything away, or when are you going to catch the bad man? Or can you catch the bad man? That really that really got me. I felt I like I felt really bad for the kid, man. So, we'll take a let's take a trip to Hamilton, Ontario. Ontario, Ontario. I think that's Canada, I believe. I didn't really I I should have like looked deeper into that. I just but I just know it was Hamilton, Ontario. And Ontario, I believe is Canada. So, if I'm mistaken, you can leave comments and thing below. So this is the um, this is the murders 
of two people. Two people. Uh, Charlisa Clark. Charlisa Clark and her boyfriend Pasquale, who, who both got, who were found dead. Uh, and and also a third murder of Jackie McLean. And I'll show you how this all ties into this, but um, we're focusing on these two first. Now, uh, this was in the early 2000s. I'm sorry, not the early 2000s. It was like in the 90s. And again, I didn't get too specific because I was, I was taking notes as I was watching. And then I went on the internet and researched and it didn't give me an exact date of the um of the case of the of the actual murder or whatever didn't give me an, an exact date i just know the case in 2007 and 2012 were still uh going on but i'm gonna get to that so uh it is early morning in hamilton ontario uh probably about 10 11 o'clock not that's not early but 10 11 o'clock and there's a three-year-old child with a shirt and a diaper no pants um he's, he's dirty he's walking and he walks uh i believe he walked in this is how they depicted it in the show and i took notes and they didn't go into specifics on the in the in my investigate or in my uh research but he apparently goes into a store and the store owner then he's like hey uh, where's your mom? You know, that asking the basic questions, where's your mother and all that stuff. And, and the kid said, uh, there's, there's paint all over the wall. There's paint. The walls are painted. And he was like, what the hell? You know, if a kid tells you that three-year-old kid, you see a three-year-old kid, he'd be, and he, he's really, you know, he said, Hey, the walls are painted. It's really, <laughs> I, of the ordinary creepy whatever no kids is gonna tell you the walls are painted out of nowhere for no reason unless one you're inside of the paint department in home depot or some he saw something that made him you know uh put two and two together and that's the only way that he can identify what he has seen and i'll get into something else after that so anyway he said the walls are painted the guy calls the police obviously cops come and get the kid uh, they, and then they go, they they figure out where he lives uh, because he's only like a block away. He's I think he's on the same block actually. He goes down to the store, and um, he they they're like, you know, you live here. He's like, yeah, yes, I have my house. Whatever. So they go in, they knock on the door, and nobody opens the door. The the first the cop that the first cop the you know responding officer he goes in. Finds two bodies in the bed, bludgeoned to death, blood everywhere, calls detective. So the detective shows up. His name is Don Forgan. I believe it was Don Foreman or Don Forgan. I might have written that wrong. I'm horrible at taking notes, but his name was Don Forgan. Let's call him Don. I think it was Don Forgan. He's the, he was the lead in this. So, um, you know, he's... He's investigating this. He goes in. He's he's in the room. Um, the first thing they see is the bodies, of course, in the bed. They're still laying down in bed like they were just sleeping, and but they're bludgeoned. And uh, the coroner, he shows up. He's doing his little investigation, whatever. He says, hey, 
hey, you know, detective, I got something over here. So the detective goes over. There's a baseball bat, a metal baseball bat covered, uh, hidden in the corner with clothes, but it's bloody. And and he's like, okay, this is obviously the murder weapon. So, um, you know, they uh, he says, okay, I want you to take that back to evidence. Don't tell anybody that that's there yet. I don't want nobody to know that there's a bloody baseball bat. Well, when uh, when he was outside, when the when the detective was outside, there was a man who was saying, "It's my son," and there's my son in there, an older gentleman. And he says, "Sir, I don't know anything about the case yet. I just, you know, we're still investigating. We can't release any information." He said, "No, my son Pasquale, is he there? Is he there? Um, you know, because he he was uh, my." my van was parked out here and I, I know he was driving he was driving the the van that was parked out here is my son in there so obviously this guy is distraught you know there's police tape there's there's a lot of cops that do an investigation they know that something really bad happened in there I mean it's not it doesn't take a genius to figure it out and you know he's asking the detective where's my son man because my my, my van was parked here um the father had picked up the van he saw his van, his work van, so he picked up the van. So, um, anyway, so we go into the case. So we're going, uh, you know, the police starts roaming around, and uh, they're obviously spraying luminol. If you know what luminol is, that is something that they use that when put under a black light, it will give, it will make blood. When it mixes with blood, it makes it glow under a black light so you it's hard to clean up blood i'm gonna tell you right now so if any of you uh have a crazy bone in your body and decide that you want to commit something horrible just know that you're not you're probably not gonna get away with it because um at least with at least the blood part because it's very hard to clean up blood and i'm talking about i've seen i've seen scenes or we've all seen scenes um i personally seen blood um blood splatters i've personally seen blood being uh you know uh, all over the walls and everything and and i've seen when it was demonstrated to me um when i was in law enforcement when uh i, I was just working in jail and somebody got beat up really bad inside of a cell blood all over the place and um and overseas i've seen it but uh i won't get into that i seen them when they clean it and then they demonstrate look this is luminol this is how you look at it, and then they spray, they show them in a little screen, black light, boom, there it is, luminol. Well, they sprayed luminol in this room, and they saw the kid's footprints all over it, meaning the kid had woken up, he was stepping on this blood, the kid saw something, and he was stepping on this blood, the kid made himself breakfast, the kid, he made himself breakfast, like a little, I don't know, maybe a bowl of cereal or something, um, and he, then he left, he was like, man, this, you know, like normally by this time, mom wakes me up, gives me a bowl of cereal and he left. That was really sad when I saw this, even when I read it, if you go watch the episode of the case that haunts me, it's on Hulu. Um, you can see it. It's episode two. It's called the bad man, but he made himself breakfast and stuff, heartbreaking. Um, and you know, the detective Don Forgan. He was like, really, this really hit him hard, you know, because it's like, hey, this kid. Then the the three-year-old kid comes out and he says to him, you know, can you catch the bad man? That's where the name of the episode came from. He asked him, 
he he calls him captain. He said he said captain, can you catch the bad man? He said I'm I'm gonna do my best. Well, they move Eugene, which is the three year old, over to his grandmother because that's all he has left now. Um, and you know he begins to call her mom. Like he immediately assimilates over. Like he immediately. I mean, I, I call my grandmother mom. You know so, but um, you know and and. So he has to go through a lot of therapy and stuff and whatever. Now the girlfriend, the the victim, one of the victim, the girl who got murdered, the uh, Eugene's mom, Charlize, she had an ex husband, which is Char, which is Eugene's father. Now he was a very abusive man. Um, they were divorced, or they were, yeah, they were divorced. I believe it didn't say if they were married. I don't remember them saying they were married, but they weren't together. And, you know, he he was uh, very abusive towards her and everything. He had a history of being abusive, whatever, and all that. So, obviously, you know, right away, all the suspects are going to are gonna pop up. Now, the they go to the father. They go to the father of Pasquale because they have to interview the father. When cases like this, and it gets very uncomfortable... You know, you know, and it gets uncomfortable. But if this happens, you have to interview the loved ones first because this was this was very brutal. There was nothing stolen, so naturally, police are like, "Well, there's nothing stolen." I mean, this I don't know. You know, you have to you have to interview the loved ones. So um, they go and interview the and the first one they talk to is the mom. She's very distraught, obviously, Pasquale's mom. And dad, and he has a brother. And as, when they're questioning the mom, you know, the mom says he's a very trusting and uh, individual. He trusts everybody. And she's, you know, she's blaming herself. Oh, I shouldn't have let him go out. You know, this and third, whatever. Um, and all this. Oh, you know, he's, he's such a nice guy. He, you know, he, you know, he gives the shirt off his back to everyone, whatever. And, uh, you know, so the and they interview the father. He says the same things. He says my son always comes home. I don't understand whatever. Um, they interviewed the girlfriend's mom, which is the grandmother of, well, you know, Eugene, and she was saying the same thing about Pasquale. Like, oh my gosh, she loved Pasquale so much. He made her laugh. He was such a nice guy. He was good with Eugene, et cetera, et cetera. So no, nobody said anything bad. Is nobody here says. Nobody had really any motive. There's like it's like okay, everybody's talking good about this guy. He doesn't owe money. He doesn't. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't do this. He. I mean, nothing, nothing. So, the dad does say, look, Pasquale likes to go to nightclubs a lot. So maybe he got involved with somebody there bad. Maybe something bad happened over there. So you know they're like, all right, well, we're gonna look into that. But they didn't find anything there either. So now, let's go. Back to the company van. In the beginning, the dad said that he saw the company van, and that's why he was. That's why he was out there asking, "Wait, my son, is he in the Pasquale? You know, my my van was here, whatever." So he said, "the the the dad said, look, I saw the company van there, parked outside. Um, on the when they were interviewing the parents, they both said, look, we don't know where his girlfriend lived. He never told us where she lived.'" I guess they didn't know her that well. I guess they were new. But he was like, she never told us where she lived, but we just knew that it might be there because the van was parked up 
up there. So when the father was driving, um, he he see he saw the van, and and you know he's like, oh, that's my work van because they have a, like a home business a maintenance thing. So the, he goes and he checks it, and the the doors are open and everything, whatever. And he's like, what the heck? You know, the van was there. He takes the van because that's his work van. You know what I mean? He he takes it. Now the naturally the detective um is going to question like i said the family because that happened you have to question the family so the questioning you know he's questioning him and the father's upset at the questioning oh man why would i kill my son whatever whatever well the detective drives the route that he said that he drove because he asked him, well, how'd you see the van if you didn't know where she lived? He was like, well, I, I drive that route every day. I was picking up his brother, Joey, and I happened to see the van. Understandable. So the detective drives the route. And when the detective drove the route, he said, yo, I can't see from the vantage point. From when dad said he was driving, you can't really see the van unless you unless you were really looking for like you had to move your head a certain way because there was a building blocking it was like a weird a weird way and i, I saw it on the on the video when they showed you know on the in the show the way that the street is you had to like really look to be to see it well whatever okay so he sees the van you know he says okay well, i didn't see the van but the detective said that even though this was a concern for him, that he really, in his, his gut feeling, he didn't believe that the father had anything to do with this. But the family, are, you know, is always the first suspects. They're always the first suspects. So they go back, and unfortunately, he's got to ask the father for it to take a polygraph test. So he takes a poly. So he says, hey, dad, look, man. You know, he didn't say it like that, but he said, he, he told the father, you know, hey, I got to... Would you mind coming to the station and take a polygraph uh, test? Because it's part of the process. You know, it's yeah. I know it's difficult. I know you know what I, the father goes off. He goes crazy. No, I'm not taking a polygraph test. The mom comes out. How could you? Our son's dead. I'll take a polygraph test. How could you? He would never hurt our son. Blah blah blah. You know, and you can understand why they're like that. I mean, it's it's a loved one. You know, especially if you're innocent. You know. That's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you if you're looking from the outside, you're like, oh, he he, he could be guilty. He doesn't want to take a polygraph test, whatever. But you gotta understand who it is. You know what I mean? Um, and it could be anybody, but you gotta understand it's a loved one that's dead. Like, yo, you think I killed my son? Are you are you crazy? You know what I mean? Um, but uh, oh, you know, it's it it just has to happen. But well, he ends up not taking the polygraph test. He he says no, I'm not taking it because you don't. I don't think you, you don't have to take a polygraph test. You know, he's like no, I'm not. I don't have. I'm not taking a polygraph test, and he he doesn't take it. So, forensics. Um, later on the later on the week, forensics returns with no fingerprints. Um, on the on the on the baseball bat that was found. That's that's the murder weapon, right? There's no fingerprints on it, but there is a palm print on it which is the next best thing. You don't have a fingerprint. You need something. Well, they have a palm print. Um, but in case you know, palm prints are really, there's no, there's no database of palm prints. I don't think there is, uh, well, at least at that time, you know, early 2000 or 1990, whatever. I think it was 90, I 
1986. Uh, but I. I I think to this, I don't know if to this day there is a palm print database. I know there's a fingerprint database, but I don't think there's a palm print database. So, um, so, you know, they were like, okay, well, we got a palm print now. You know, there is, there isn't a database, but there is, um, a file, like a, how do you call it? Like, it's like a, there is kind of a database, but not data, and it's not a digital database. There's a paper, you know, uh, uh, filing system with like 900 or a couple thousand palm prints that that police department, that area had. And the, you know, detective went to his superior and said, look, man, we got a data. We got it. I mean, we got a, a palm print. Is there any way we could just have, you know, all those palm prints old you know from the jails and this and that um to match it and the captain was like look man you know how many prints are there like it would take i'd have to form a team we don't have the budgeting we were underfunded um you know we don't have you know they were under, and that happens a lot with police departments they're underfunded you know people got to understand there's not you know a lot of times there's no funding all these investigations are not free like this doesn't happen for free like there's a lot of funding that goes in that's why I understand the, you know, whole defund the police department. I mean, we're going to be in big trouble if that happens. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so now we go, you know, and so now the detective has an issue. He's like, oh, man, the captain's like, ah, oh, we can't, you know, I, I want to solve the case, but we just don't have the manpower funding, blah, blah, blah. All right. So now we got to focus on. Eugene's dad, Max, right? So Max had a violent streak in him. Um, he always wanted access to his son, but obviously he wasn't with the mother. He's not with him. He's not with her. Uh, you know, he wasn't allowed to be close to Charlize. He was violent towards her before. They had a good court and all that stuff. So they're like, okay, this is this this guy could be this guy's grade A, you know, uh, grade A suspect. So. They go and they bring him in for an interrogation. Naturally, this guy is a ball of anger. He's not sad or nothing. He's just a ball of anger. He's one of those angry people that are always angry. And he he claims he that he cared a lot about he cared a lot for his ex, and that he even he even had friends check in on her from time to time. So the detective actually when, when he said that when I saw that on the show and he said that and the I I said before the the cop even asked him. Well, who, what friends did you send? I said, I'm like, what, what, I'm like, what friends did you send? You know, cause that's the first thing that comes to your mind. This, this, these people are murdered. This woman's murdered. And you're telling me, oh, I even, I, I even used to send friends to go, you know, check on her. Cause I cared, you know, I want to see how she was doing. Fuck. What, what fucking friends? What friends did you send? Maybe one of your friends murdered. You know, so naturally they're thinking that you did it. And if you didn't do it, cause he did have an alibi and you know, it, it was solid. It's Okay. Maybe you sent somebody else to do it. You know what I'm saying? Um. But the, the, the you know, the, the, so but the, this guy, he was, he was, he was just upset at everything, man. He was upset at everything, and he was just like, oh no, yeah, whatever. You know, um. You know, f fuck you, this and that, whatever. I didn't do it. Okay, all right, you know. You gotta be careful how you, especially when you're under investigation. Be careful what you say, what you do. 
You got to be calm and everything. You know, you just be yourself. If you didn't do anything, you didn't do anything. You know what I mean? But anyway, they were like, okay, you're going to take a polygraph then, right? And he was like, fine, I'll take a polygraph. So during the polygraph, they asked him some questions. They asked him, they asked him a question. I don't know if anybody's taking a polygraph. I've taken polygraphs before. Being in law enforcement, you're, you're, you're going to take polygraphs. So um, I, uh, in the polygraph, they asked him the same question over and over, but in a different way. They asked him, are you responsible for the death of, of Charlize? Are you responsible for the death of your ex-girlfriend? Did you kill your ex-girlfriend? Did you murder your son's mother? They asked him in different ways. You know what I mean? Um, to see how, you know, how he answered or how, you know, what the test says. So he was like, no, no, I told you. No. Okay. So the examiner, he gets up and he goes to the detective. He said, look, I'm not saying he told me he did, but... I do see some deception in the test. And, you know, the, you know, detective was like, is there anything you want to tell me? You know, whatever, you know, this, that. He's like, no, man, I didn't, I'm telling you, whatever. Well, his alibis all check out. They're, they're investigating this guy and everything. Everything checks out. Like, there's, no, there's, I mean, they can't point anything to him. I mean, he wasn't even in the apartment. There's no nothing of him in there. You know, um, so they go back to every once in a while, every couple months, uh, the detective goes and he visits Eugene because Eugene has to be under psychiatric care. Obviously, you know, not all, not, he doesn't live with a psychiatrist, he lives with his grandmother, but he has to go see a psychiatrist due to the trauma that he that he went through and it's understandable as a freaking 3-year-old child that saw something he should have never seen uh so okay he's, he he asks the the doctor hey do you think he can talk to me she's like i, I don't want to push him right now and they are they they cannot take him to trial they they can't make him uh you know uh they they can't bring him to court. The judge is not going to allow that. I think that's illegal, too. I don't, I, I don't think that's allowed. But the judge isn't going to allow no three-year-old to testify. The judge is going to be like, how about everybody in here is going to jail? <laughs> He's going to be like, no, I'm not putting a three-year-old child to, to, to testify. I've seen that before where where judges are like, no, you're not going to. I've seen where judges are like, no, you're not going to put this 10-year-old child to testify. Bottom line, you're not going to put him through this. No way. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, so fast forward, there's no leads, there's nothing, the detectives are like, oh my God, this isn't what, like, this is crazy. So fast forward, um, maybe it didn't say the timeline, but a few months, maybe I would say like maybe, let's say two months because it did not, I, I investigated this, did, did not give me clear timelines. So they're um they're still looking for stuff there's three detectives on there's the lead detective um and and don and two others and it turns out that they get a lead that they heard from the grapevine that a man who was in trouble uh who had been in trouble with the law who was in a rehab program had confessed to killing two people with a baseball bat so they were like what that's 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 a lot. That's a big coincidence. You know, it's a big like what? 
So they go to that rehab center. They start talking to a gentleman. Um, and the gentleman there said, well, yeah, you know, this, this is a rehab center for people who have done drugs and whatever, been addicted to things, and gotten in trouble, we come here. It's like a, I don't know, I'm not going to say a halfway house, but, you know, one of those centers. And he said, my my roommate, he comes in and he says he's ner- he was nervous and he was like, man, he's like, I killed two people with a baseball bat. And he was like, why? And and he's telling this detective, he's like, you know, he told me this. And I was like, what do you what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, I went in. Never. Well, this is where the guy tells him. He said, um, he said, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, and. I'm sorry, let me back something up real quick. Let me back something up real quick. Let me see. So they they had gotten they had gotten a lead a lead, right? He said um they had gotten a lead that this guy had confessed. So they went to him first to to the guy whose name was Carl Hall. Carl Hall was the roommate of the guy who I was just talking about. Let me back that up, and I apologize for that. So they went to Carl Hall, and he's like, hey, did you kill these people? And he was like, nah, man, I didn't kill nobody. Naturally, yeah. no, I, I, I didn't kill nobody. And he was like, uh, well, you know, I, I, they some somebody was saying that you confessed, and he was like, no, 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 I didn't kill anybody, man, or whatever, whatever. And he said, um, he said, well, somebody had seen you by the apartments of... Uh, of so-and-so, and they gave the address of where the apartment building was. He said, well, yeah, I knew a guy named Peter there a while back. You know what I mean? Um, I used to visit a friend of mine named Peter, and he was like, and he was like, so you you didn't kill these people? No, I didn't kill these people, man. Get off my back. You know, being a real asshole. You know, typical typical uh, guilty men- guilty answers. <laughs> You know, you know, the typical I'm guilty, but I want you to get off my back because I don't want, you know, because I'm 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 found out already, but I don't want to show that I'm found out answers, which is just natural for people to do that. Humans are going to do that. So they're like, OK, well, they 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 hold them there and they're like, well, let's go interview the person who said that that he told them, which is the guy that I was talking about earlier. So when they interviewed him, he told him, yeah, my roommate came in, Carl Hall, the guy that they had, and he said that he did this, this, whatever. He's, and then that's when he told the story. This is why there was no leads. There was no nothing. There was anything. They couldn't get anything. They couldn't get anything. This is why. He said he went over there because he used to be friends with a guy named Peter. Peter and him used to sell drugs back in the day. Peter owed him money and also started messing with his girl. So Carl went over there. He he already knew he knew that apartment. That apartment used to be Peter's, but Peter had moved out. He didn't know that. Peter goes uh Carl goes there, goes in through through the window. He knows how to get in, he knows the layout. He sees a man laying in the bed. So, and he sees the baseball bat. So he's like, you know what? Pete owes me money. And he also messed with my girl. So he grabs the metal bat and beats the guy's head out. Boom. Bludges him. Which wakes the mother up. Which wakes the girl up. 
but by this time he's like, oh shit, this isn't Peter. You know what I'm saying? But now he's like, I can't leave a witness. So he kills the he kills Charlize also. So he killed them both. So these people died because of mistaken identity. That's why they were killed. The detective's like, so you mean to tell me that this couple died because they picked the wrong apartment? And which is not that that's why that's what happened. Not it's not their fault at all. That's just what happened. Luckily, he didn't kill the three year old. You know, the three year old couldn't identify him. But luckily, he did not kill that three year old. You know, that's why I'm thankful he did not kill a world thing. Everybody is that he didn't kill that three year old. But it was mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. He goes in, he kills her. So they had evidence. They also had a palm, his palm print because he had gotten arrested before. They had taken his palm print and it matched, of course, the baseball bat. All that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So needless to say, fast forward, he gets, a, you know, they take him in for it. But he's already in court. <laughs> he's already has to go to court for another murder. Of Jackie McLean. Now. I don't have the details on Jackie McLean. But. I want you to hear this. From the. Um, from the. Uh, this is a. Final arguments in Carl Hall's murder trial. For Jackie. Defense lawyer Russell Silverstein. Began with a reminder to Justice J.R. Henderson. Contending that the Crown's entire case was circumstantial, he declared, Mr. Hall must be acquitted unless the circumstantial evidence does not allow for any other conclusion. He then went on to build an argument in which none of the physical evidence introduced would disprove Carl Hall's version of the event. He also pointed out physical evidence that the Crown did not explain. A bloody footprint found by the door and long blonde hairs clutched in McLean's fist were never identified. There was no evidence of blood spatter or blood stains on Hall's shoes, nor was there any evidence of blood stained clothing owned by the accused. And police have never challenged Hall's claim that he left the crack party around 12.30 a.m. and went to the Wesley Center, the Detox Center, and Holmes House in that order. And one witness has testified that she saw Jackie McLean alive between 12.30 and 1.30 a.m. Silverstein attempted to narrow the timeline down to a 15-minute span in which Hall would have to return to the sandbar, find McLean, go to the apartment, kill her, drag her body upstairs, sexually assault her, and leave without one witness able to testify that they saw Carl Hall after 12.30 a.m. But the one issue for which the defense had no clear explanation could turn out to be the key to the case. Because there were blood spatter stains on McLean's underwear, the Crown contends that she must have been wearing them when she was murdered. Hall testified they were torn during sex and that he ejaculated into them, but couldn't say what happened to the underwear after that. But if they were left on the apartment floor, then McLean couldn't have been wearing them when she was murdered. And the question is... Would it be likely that she would put on a pair of wet, badly torn underwear after having sex with Carl Hall? It was a point that Crown Attorney John Nixon seized upon in his submission. She's not putting on a pair of wet, torn panties, he declared. The killer tore her panties off. Mr. Hall is the killer. Justice J.R. Henderson will now consider the case and render his verdict June 22nd at 10 a.m.
Taz Boga, CHCH News. Now, um, that was in 2012. That's an old news report. Neely, um, he was acquitted on that one. He was acquitted on that one. Because of the whole evidence thing, and, you know, they, they just had a good defense. Um, I, you know, because of the first two murders, I'm going to say he did this one. I'm just going to go ahead and blame him for it. But if you listen to the evidence, yeah, it could it'd be like, damn, you know, I hate to say this, but, it does, yeah, you know, it's right. He had a 15-minute window of opportunity to do everything that they say he did, blah, 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 but I don't care. And also, um, he's eligible for parole in uh, 2022, just to let you know. He's still going to be a good age. Where he has the energy to do this bull again. Now, is he going to do this bullshit again? I don't know. But this guy is not right. Corrections, I don't know if it corrected him. I can't speak for it. I don't know. But it just bothers me. He left a child without a mother. He left a mother without a child. He left people without loved ones. He ruined a lot of lives just like these all these murderers do. Whether it's friends, families, neighbors, just ruin people's lives, and he keeps going on, going on. Yeah, he does a little jail time, then they let him go. Um, you know, and th- this upsets people. You know, back in the day, you know, it, you know, you you're not judge, jury, or executioner. Um, yeah, sometimes I want to be executioner, but um, with these people, when you hear these cases, they make you so angry. Um, but you know, it is, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes I think to myself, like, man, if it was like back in the day where you did a crime, you know, even though back in the day was extreme. And I mean, back in the day, I'm talking about like medieval times when you had the towns and the king would like, oh, you stole something. We're going to cut you. We're going to cut your hands. Or, oh, you murdered someone. We're going to cut you. But back in the day, we also can't do that because back in the day, they were cutting people's heads off for just saying that the king was uh, was bad. Oh, I, oh, I don't like the king. Off with his head. If that was going on today, I think probably 60-70% of the United States would be would be headless. <laughs> so, I'm glad that that's not happening right now. You know what I mean? Um probably all the United States would be headless because everybody's like, "Oh, I hate I hate this side. Oh, I hate that side." So, probably and the the government the government those people in government are acting like kings and queens. I don't care what side they're on. They act like they're all high and mighty. You know what I mean? But and this is conspiracy theory, uh, fears and mystery, so I'm allowed to talk like that. So. But anyway, that is the case of the bad man, the bad man Carl Hall. And upon when I was doing my my research on this, right. I could only find really minimal stuff, not too detailed, but when I did my research on this, there's other Carl Halls that did murder. I was like, yo, okay, wait a minute. This is too much of a coincidence. Other Carl Halls. You know, there was one that um, he kidnapped, and you probably know this one. It's a, it's a famous one. He kidnapped the child of a, like a really rich man. It was back way back in, like, I don't know if it was like 19... 40s or 50s or something. I don't remember. But it was a really rich car guy. Some car, some car, you know, multi-millionaire. 
and uh, he kidnapped his six-year-old son. He demanded a ransom, and at the and at the time, I, I think it still is the highest ransom ever. I believe paid or demanded. Oh, I think it was paid. I think the highest ransom ever paid in the history of the United States. And they're like, "Oh, we got your kid. Give us this money." I think they they got the money, but they never got the kid. The kid was actually murdered when they asked for the money. So, but anyway, guys, we're gonna leave it at that. It is three nineteen a.m. and this is conspiracy fears and mysteries for now, for now. And as always, man, follow me on social media: the Twitter Ralphie Tweets and Instagram. Sorry, Ralphie underscore Tweets and Instagram Ralphie underscore Grams. And as always, I will see you. Oh, 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 wait. Don't forget YouTube. You can see my reviews. Review ch- I, I review microphones for podcasting and videos and all kinds of stuff. I review hi- uh, household items. I review everything. I just like reviewing stuff. I just like telling you, hey, look, this works like this. This works like that. <laughs> and I love true crime. And I will see you on the next smoke.